God of the prophets, in every age you send the word of truth, familiar yet new, a sign of contradiction. Let us not be counted among those who lack faith, but give us the vision to see Christ in our midst and to welcome your saving word. Grant this through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in union with the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. God calls Ezekiel to be his prophet, whose mission is to speak of God's will for his people. God warns Ezekiel that the folks don't really want to hear it. Would you accept this mission from God if you were Ezekiel? A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. A spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard one speaking to me. Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Poor St. Paul, whose life as an apostle of Jesus was terribly challenging, writes to the community at Corinth about a thorn in the flesh that he suffered. Nobody really knows what that thorn was. Paul counters by maintaining that when he was weak, then he was strong. As a follower of Christ, how do you relate to that sentiment? A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, considering the exceptional character of the revelations, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. 
the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On a Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that he has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? and a brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And Jesus could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Someone gave me a book of cartoons, and the title of the book is, What's That Funny Look on Your Faith? This thing was put together by a a, a guy who works as a youth minister in some church. The cartoon that I thought most appropriate for today's gospel, it's a cartoon that shows four donkeys standing next to each other. On the back of the first donkey is a bumper sticker that says, our son is an honor student. On the second donkey, the bumper sticker says, our son's in med school. And on the third donkey, the bumper sticker says, our son is God. <laughs> and, and you see, the mother at the, the one end yells, calls out to the mother at the other end, Oh, Mary and Joseph, how nice to see you. (laughs) I love that cartoon. One of the the issues or, or, or one of the resources that I use for preparing homilies is something called Sunday by Sunday. It's a a leaflet, it's published by Good Ground Press. Any of you familiar with it, Sunday by Sunday? I know some groups in the parish use it. The person who writes the scripture commentaries for this Sunday by Sunday is Joan Mitchell. You remember, Jim, she's saying, They paved paradise and they put up a parking lot. You remember Joan Mitchell? Okay, it's not that Joan Mitchell. This Joan Mitchell is a sister of St. Joseph from somewhere in the Midwest. And her writings, her commentaries are 
usually very insightful. In her commentary about today's gospel, she quotes the theologian Bernard Lonergan. She quotes him saying, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Wow. Sounds almost contraindicated. The the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. Sister Joan explains that when we're certain, there's no room for growth. When we're certain, things are the way we see them to be. There's no dialogue, there's no challenge. When we're certain, things are the way we think they are, and nothing else. On the other hand, doubt, there's room for growth, isn't there? There's room to be challenged. There's room to rethink and to grow in relationship with the reality, with the person. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. The people we met in the gospel today those townspeople that knew Jesus, they were filled with certainty. They knew, or they thought they knew. They knew him from when he was a kid. They knew him to be Mary's son. They knew him to be somebody who worked with wood. That's all they would let him be. They were certainty and they were stuck in what they believed about him, what they knew about him, what they allowed him to do. That line in that gospel about how disappointed he was in them, I picture him as someone who really wanted to help the folks in his hometown. I picture him as someone whose heart was open to them and was dismayed by their lack of openness. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Yesterday at Minute Prayer, We talked about, well, what is your image of Jesus? How how do you see Jesus? What's your favorite way of looking at Jesus? Knowing that whatever it is, whatever our vision of Jesus, it's not written in stone. It can change. It can grow. Huh? Some of the guys, they talked about seeing Jesus as a gentle person who smiled, who reached out to help other people. 
the gentle shepherd who went into the wilderness looking for the lost ones, the broken ones. The gentle shepherd who showed compassionate to all who were in need. That's the image that many of the guys held on to. I didn't hear anybody in our group say, well, their favorite image of Jesus is the one where he's in a a red silk kind of robe and he has a stern look on his face and he's pointing to his heart which is on his chest. I never quite understood that particular image of Jesus. What's the heart on his chest? What I do know is usually there was a picture of Mary with the same heart condition. And I'm guessing, well, maybe, maybe it was genetic, who knows? But that stern Jesus, that Jesus who was hard and fast, that Jesus who touched the part of us that needs certainty, that Jesus is not the Jesus that I hold on to. The Jesus in whom I believe. I go with the gentle one. The one who smiles. The one who reaches out to help the broken and the lost ones. I mentioned earlier in my homily, Bernard Lonergan. And if truth be told, Bernard Lonergan is kind of a grandfather to me. Bernard Lonergan, the theologian, taught my mentor, my pastor, Father Steve Slavic, when he was a seminarian at North American College in Rome. I connect with the teaching, the thought of Bernard Lonergan as I connect with what I learned from my mentor and my friend, Steve Slavik. I have a favorite picture of Steve Slavik. Uh, Many of you know that in 1977, Johnstown, my hometown, was flooded when a dam broke right above the city. I think about 80 people were killed and, and some of them were friends of mine. Steve Slavik, the pastor became one of the leaders of the flood recovery effort. I can still see him, Jackie. He, he was out among the people. He was dressed in work pants, and he wore size 13 shoes. This guy was big. And, and, and he wore a clerical shirt and a shirt over that, and, and a, like a, a, a hat, like a straw hat. And he was carrying a walkie-talkie. And he was the, the leader of the recovery effort. That's my picture of Steve Slavik. It was interesting that one day, in the midst of the recovery, there was a group of priests from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, from their Catholic Charities group, who came to tour the area and assess the damage. They were dressed in their Armani suits and their Gucci shoes. 
loafers with tassels. You know what I'm talking about. I think about that day. And I see those guys from Philadelphia, and I see Steve Slavic, and I wonder which image speaks more clearly to me of Jesus, who came to save, who came to serve, who laid down his life so that we might be fully alive. Think about those images, Armani suits and Gucci shoes and a guy in work pants on a work shirt. Which of those images speaks to you of Jesus? It seems to me that when we share the Eucharist, that isn't flat bread. That isn't dead bread, is it? The bread of the Eucharist, the wine of the Eucharist, it's alive. It's the living Jesus who speaks in our hearts and shows us how to live, strengthens us to live his life. When we share Eucharist today, we can hear him say, Live my life. Live my life. Live my life. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's service. To stay up to date on the latest news involving our parish, please visit our website at goodshepherd-sc.org.